Amen. Thank you guys so much again for being here. Um, so many of us are at home right now, so I don't probably have to ask you to be seated like I normally do, but um, just want to thank you again for being part of this service. Man, honestly, this week is one of those weeks where I'm so excited for us to be in the place that we're going to be in the Word this morning. Um, that's going to be in Exodus chapter 17, but really, truly, um, if I could, um, man, if I could just tell you this, this is one of those messages where I'd love to hear from you about really how this connects into your heart, and when we see each other and, and we have opportunities to communicate over the next few weeks, we'd love to hear um, how, what really God does in this message, um, in your heart, because um, as, as I study chapters and, and books and verses and, and really seek God over where we need to be in his word together corporately in these kind of times, a lot of times I find myself going through these processes where I'm, I'm sitting in a seat and I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm really hearing from the Lord, and sometimes it, it kind of makes my body just kind of physically squirm a little bit because it's, it's tough. And, and it really gets into my life and really gets into where I'm living. And, and sometimes I just I find myself nodding in agreement with what the Lord says. And sometimes it's these big aha moments where I see major dots connecting. And man, I just I love when we can share that all at the same time. So I look forward to hearing some of those stories from you. Because really this morning what we're going to see, I really believe, is how God is, is going to take some of the content that we looked at the very first week uh, we're going we're gonna to do two things together this morning. We talked about two of our goals being to learn Jesus and to learn ourselves. And we're going we're gonna to take a minute before we conclude this time in the Word to, to do that, to make an attempt this morning at doing that based off of the truth of what God's showing us in Exodus here. But what I also want us to do this morning um, as, as, we, as we look into the Word is also look back to even just last week to really the importance of Christian community and what it does, and, and there's some intentional things that are going to happen in this story that I think are absolutely vital for us to appreciate, not just in our own life, but in the lives of that immediate circle that we need around us and we need with us and we need to be a part of ourselves. So, so let's really walk through this, this passage together. I'm going to talk a little bit about some background, but not now. I, I'm actually going to save that to when we're, we're looking at really learning Jesus um, because I think there's such a deep truth for us to really dig in there. We're going to start in verse 8 in chapter 17, about halfway through. The first half of the chapter um, is, is where we see the Lord bring water from a rock. And, and we're going we're gonna to mention that in a minute because there's, there's such deep meaning there with Jesus. Let's start at verse 8. A, a battle is getting ready to take place. And there's going to be a lot of parts of this battle that we need to understand. At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow we'll stand, I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Now, these few verses, these few verses, I love when God does this because right before he gets in the story, um, sometimes it's just a couple of verses of lead in, but it is, it's absolutely stacked with significance to set up all that's going to be going on. So first of all, we see... We see who, who is, who's playing the part of the enemy, Amalek, that God's people are going to be facing and going up against in battle. Now, what we know about this guy is if, so when the Bible, if, if, I guess if we're, not, if we're going to split hairs and we're going to trace our lineage back, we all go all the way back to what? Two people, Adam and Eve. Um, but in Scripture, many times what we see happening is, is God doesn't reveal and, and point out the, the entire journey all the way back to Adam and Eve for everyone that's mentioned in Scripture. 
sometimes there's just one significant relative that the Bible points out that this person is a descendant of, and, and it's that relative that we start to kind of peek in to see maybe a little bit of what's going on in their life, what's developed over generations. Because I really believe in Scripture when it talks about the, the sins of the father really visiting to the, to the third and fourth generation. We have to be so aware that if, if the Lord's not gaining victory spiritually, and, and he's, if, if I'm not allowing him to have really victory in my life in, in the season that I'm in, that that can then replay itself and can be a temptation and a struggle, likely even into future generations that follow me. So it's really, it's, it's our spiritual investment in us, not to just grow ourselves, but really in those who walk behind us. So for Amalek, the, the Bible points out that he is a descendant of Esau. If you remember Esau, he was the, uh, he, he was the hunter. He was the outdoorsman. He, he, he had kind of this, this reddish tint to his skin, real Real outdoors, hairy, dirty guy. Just, I mean, he he was known um, that he could that he hunted big game, and he he really was responsible for bringing in meat for the table. But but he was an impulsive guy. Scripture shows us. And if you remember the story of Esau, he comes in from a long hunt. He smells the food that his brothers prepared, and and just out of his just uncontrollable hunger, he sells off his birthright, the birth blessing that he was going to receive from his father. And, and what we see in Esau is this really, um, is this, this real negative image of what just an impulsive personality can do, what, where, where it can lead us. What, what in a moment of decision might I say yes or no to because of impulses that are hard to control? So we see that in Esau. And, and what we see is it's, it's now replayed itself generations later. So Amalek and the Amalekites, the, the, the tribe that, that, that is his people, they were nomadic. Um, they were people that they would, go from, um, they would go from property to property, region to region, and they, did not, um, they didn't set up camp. They didn't farm for their finances. They didn't sell goods in the market. They didn't trade like that. They weren't, they, they weren't fishermen. They gained what they had by going in and looting and pillaging. I mean, they, they were going to take what they felt like was just owed to them because they had the power to take it. And this is how they prospered. So, so this is the heart, this is the mindset of Amalek that we see and with the Amalekites coming up against the people of God. Now, people of God at this point have, have, been, will, have been living in this wilderness journey as God was using Moses. So here's a group of people, who, it's a very large group of people. So if they can be defeated, there's, there, are, there are materials that they can take over. Um, as they move from region to region, the stories of God would travel with them. So consider the, the, the ego and, and the impulsiveness of Amalek to go, if I can defeat these people, what will it do for my reputation? What will it gain us? So, so this is the mindset of the battle that, that's getting ready to happen here now. We see the introduction of Joshua, who will later be leader in front of God's people going across the Jordan into the promised land after Moses passes away. So we see the introduction of a future key character, but he's also um, prevalent in the story now. He, he is, um, in, this, in this story, Joshua is in really kind of leadership training. Like He has some functional responsibilities we're going to see. Moses trusts him, um, but, but he's very much in a training process. We also see Moses in this story. Moses talks about one thing in particular that we're going to look at um, in just a few minutes, a little bit more. But he, 
he, he says that there's going to be a battle. He, he, gives, he gives Joshua responsibility. He says, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. So Joshua is going to be in what we're going to see as the physical battle. Moses was not, Moses was not a feeble guy. When Moses went to be with the Lord, the, he, I mean, it is clear in Scripture, Moses, up to the end of his life, had a strong will and, ha- and, had, a, and had good health. I mean, he, he was determined physically to still do, even to his last days, whatever he could do for the Lord and how he could serve those people. So this was not Moses going, hey, I'm a little too old to fight. Hey, fighting's a young man's game. This is not my season anymore. This is Moses going, okay, there, there is a physical part of this battle, and Moses saw clearly that there was a spiritual part of this battle. Moses had gained an appreciation that what could be done in the strength of the Lord was far greater than what could be done by the strength of men. And and that had application in the battle, the enemy that was in front of him. But it also had a very real application in how Moses saw the battle. It wasn't just being in the trenches. It was his vision to be able to really take in all that was going on, really to be able to appreciate all the details and to see the bigger picture. So Moses, as a leader, sees the importance of what he's getting ready to do. And he says, I will go stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Now, the staff, when you, when you, especially when you look at the stories of Moses and the life of Moses, that staff really represented the presence of God. Now, when I say the presence of God, this is different um, than the presence of God in the temple and different things. Um, there was a leading quality with this staff. There was this, um, there, there was this thing about the, how the staff really pointed the people to the evidence of what God could do. So really, the best, the best correlation that we can make by, taking, by looking at this staff and, and looking into the New Testament many times is, is the function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus He's pointing to really what God is doing. He's leading. And he is, in a sense, um, the process that we're going to see here with Moses of us really going to the Lord for his help, for his strength, and for what we need in the moments of battle, the moments of life, the moments of moments. (laughs) In verse 10, it says, Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur. Now, Aaron was... The mouthpiece of Moses, if you remember the beginning of Moses' ministry, especially in leadership, Moses was super, super, um, he, he was very aware of his weaknesses. Um, he, he did not have the highest self-esteem. He was very self-conscious in what he thought he couldn't do. Uh, in, in the ministry of Aaron, God, God gave Moses this partner in ministry to represent what Moses didn't feel like he could do. But just as God often does, if it's a gifting that God is going to work out in you, he will, he will help and he'll encourage and, and he'll put someone there that, that represents maybe that gift. But if it's something that he's calling out of you, then he will work it out in you. We, we never really see a, a history and a pattern where, where Moses needed to lean on Aaron to really, to really be his own voice, to be the voice of the Lord. But, but Aaron is a partner in ministry. Her is, is one of the elders of the people of Israel. This is somebody who had spiritual wisdom. 
who, who wasn't the primary leader, but, but stood in leadership and had this shepherding quality as, as they considered what the Lord would instruct them to do and how they would let that play out in their life and how they would be obedient and follow. So these are the two that went up with him to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Now, it, this, is, th- this seems odd. And, and sometimes when we get used to watching fight scenes in movies and, and, and one side is prevailing and then, and, and then they start to falter and then we see that, that enemy side start to really gain influence and gain power and it looks like they're, they're getting ready to really dominate and then all of a sudden it just, it just turns on a dime and, 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 and this side that we're rooting for really comes back and, and wins the day. We, we, we're used to seeing pictures like that and many times, I think we're just left to assume that if it's, it's, just, it's just what's down deep inside of them, or it's just, hey, if you'll just, if you'll just push harder, if you'll believe more. What we really see happening in this, in this particular passage is, is that Moses is doing something that's not just symbolic. Um, it is literally playing out. Now, when we see, and, and I want you to remember this, um, as we look at this story, you have within this story a faith community. Yes, it's it's the nation, it's the big picture nation of Israel. I get that. But 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 consider just four names. Joshua, Moses, Aaron, and Hur. And how their their interaction and their parts play together really in all that God is doing here. So Joshua is the one that's really deep in the physical battle. He's the one that's feeling it. In, in many ways, physically. He's, he's, he's living out the punches and giving the punches, and he, he's, he's, he's really going through it. He, he feels the, the, the swell of momentum, and then he feels the push of opposition in a very personal way. Moses is holding up a staff, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use this as an example that I have here. And as Moses went up to the top of the hill, Moses would put his hands on the staff, and he would hold this above his head. Now, this is challenging because I'm trying to figure out if I'm in the frame or not, um, and, I, and I'm not tall, so I should always be in frame, but, but we'll, see, we'll see how this goes. We, we, have, we have amazing people here that are helping me preach this sermon visually. Um, as, as we're doing this, um, we, we, we can think of Moses holding this staff above his head. Now, it says when, he, when, when the staff is above his head, the people of God are, are winning the day. They're, they're pushing forward. But, but when it falls... When it falls, we see the opposition gaining influence. So what is really happening here? Well, again, remember, the staff represents the presence of God, the power of God, all that God can do in this moment. And when he is lifted high, when, when, when Moses comes to him, and, and, and I think this is worth mentioning, we, we think and we feel, I think, if we, if we misinterpret this passage, well, this is Moses getting it done. No, this is Moses doing what he's done in the past, what we read about in Psalms. This is Moses coming before the Lord in submission to him and recognizing that he is the one with all the power. And he is hands lifted high. If you go back to when Moses was speaking to Pharaoh and Pharaoh was, was, was being tormented by the, by the plagues that God had delivered, and, and he's asking Moses for help. Moses, go to your God, make it stop. Moses tells him, he says, listen, as, as we, when we leave this place, Moses says, I will call out to the Lord with my hands lifted high in this dependent prayer, this prayer of submission. Uh, one of the things oftentimes um, when you're in here for worship, 
Sometimes I worry that, that, that what happens routinely um, loses sometimes for us the significance. Um, if, if, you, if, if you're even just lightly aware, you've had many Sundays when you've heard Dale come up here and lead us in prayer as he's, as he's wanting our hearts, as his ministry is to, to help us usher into a time of worship, you will hear him pray and ask with our hands lifted, our hands outstretched, in surrender, in dependence to the Lord. And that is seeking God for, for his strength. And, and we see it in the story with Moses. We, 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 you can re- read it repeatedly in Psalms where David writes um, that, that in prayer, in dependent prayer, in, in, in intercessory prayer for what's happening on this planet, that his hands are lifted high depending on the Lord. So what we see happening here is, is that um, when the battle is going well, in our minds, if we're not careful, we're going to say, it's when Moses is doing good. And then we'll carry that into our lives and go, hey, life is going well when I'm doing good. Life's going well when you're doing good. Hey, hey, listen, life by definition is going well when we're depending well. Life is going well when we're seeking the Lord for ourselves, for others in an intercessory way. Life is going well when we are in, living in dependence and, and, and needing and functioning in the power that God can really live in us and through us that we need so desperately. And that power is greater than what we can get done, but we're also going to see in a few minutes how we can't, um, we, we can't fail to appreciate the significance of that power in light of what happens. And I think in some ways we really need to consider even just a simple application of in the way that I seek the Lord, it can have effect legitimately, specifically, on the lives of others. I don't think we can pass over that, that event as truth in Scripture this morning. It says, when Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone. The they is Aaron and her. They took a stone, and they supported his hands. One on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Now, I, I will say this, in Christian community, um, sometimes we're, we're playing out different roles in life. Sometimes in Christian, Christian community, um, one of us is going, we, we feel like one of us maybe really is in the middle of the physical battle, like we are feeling it. We are at a place to where we are, we are, we are, we are absorbing the punishment. Um, we are feeling the victory. We really feel like we're in the midst of that physical battle. Now, sometimes in the middle of that physical battle, we struggle in really seeking the Lord. And in faithful Christian community, having someone that not only appreciates the power of the Lord, but will seek it on our behalf can have great impact. But also, let's consider Moses for a minute. I pray that, and, and my heart hope is, is that we're all people that really live in that dependence and feel it really um, being the power that is in us. And we're experiencing and we're aware and we have the vision of really what God's power not, not just could do, but what it is doing. But when we are really trusting, when we're living out of Scripture, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, when we're really living that out, we have to be aware as, as great as God's strength is, our strength can't match that. And I'll say this, 
there is, a, there is a point for all of us where even when we walked in the strength of the Lord, our own strength really starts to fail. I mean, have you ever been, have you ever been so consumed by the circumstances of something's going on that you realize in your heart, Lord, I just need to seek you in prayer. I need to come to you and pray and pray and pray. But, but even in that, we, our, our, our minds wonder. And, and we, just, we, we don't have the mental discipline and strength to really stay in that mode. And, and sometimes we just, just out of a sense of just losing the stamina of prayer, just don't feel like we could even continue. And we just, we just stop and begin something else. Sometimes even just late at night, have you ever just prayed yourself to sleep? I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, God, as I lay my head to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't talk about just putting our kids to bed. I'm talking about really something is laying heavy on your soul and you're just seeking the Lord, but just physical strength is so drained from our bodies that we just drift off to sleep in the middle of that. There is a point where we all need help. I mean, there's just there's no more glorified way to say it other than just help. And, and I want to talk about that help for a second because so many of us, I believe this is unlike any faith community church I've ever been a part of, I believe that this church has people that just genuinely want to walk beside people. And, and, and like any church, opportunities are unknown and are sometimes missed because we, 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 we really struggle with our communication sometimes and just opening our lives to each other. But we have a people that really desire to do that. And, and I want to talk about the specific way that Aaron and her did this. I'm, um, Rob is up here this morning serving. Um, so, so Rob's going to come up here. And, and I just want to kind of explain it this way. And I don't, we're going we're to try to get this done the best we can. So I just want you to consider this. So if you would stand up for me for a second, Rob. If, if Rob is really representing Moses in this story, just kind of like I did, if Moses... And, and, and Rob is, is illustrating this. If the, if the staff is above his head, and he's holding that high, and, and this, represents, this represents God being able to use his strength and show his strength, and, and the battle's being won, well, at some point, just like Moses, Rob's arms would just start to fail, and the, and the staff is going to start to lower. And, and then what we see in the story is at that point, that point, that is when, that's when they start to experience defeat. So what Aaron and her do is, is, is Moses is really struggling physically to keep this up. I mean, have you ever just, have you ever just tried? I mean, I, there's so many people in this church, you're in such beautiful shape. I admire your fitness routines. But I can tell you this, I don't care how great a shape you're in, if you, even without weights, just try to hold your hands above your head, your strength will fail. So the first thing they do is, is they get him to sit down. So I got, a, I got a, one of our, our kids' chairs behind us to kind of represent this small stone. Now, what does it really do for Rob if arm strength is the issue? What great help have I offered him by giving him a low seat? I mean, it, it's something, but it's not nearly enough because this problem of his hands wanting to lower is going to keep coming back up, okay? So, so here's what we see when it comes to faith community giving real spiritual, quality, good help to someone. First of all, they, they get Moses lowered down to a level that is Aaron stands on one side, her stands on the other side. They can come up beside him, and, and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lock my fingers together, and I'm going to hold Rob's arm like this against my stomach. Now, this is probably not really comfortable for Rob right now, but, but this is what I'm going to do. So as I hold his arm here, you know how long I can hold his arm like this? 
I can hold his arm for an incredible length of time because it's so tight to me and I'm locking my fingers. There's very little output of my own strength that's needed to stay exactly right here, which means the amount of time that Rob can continue to have this staff above his head is now going to be so much longer because even just the way I have my arms, if this was matched on the other side, imagine it. Rob's shoulders, biceps, triceps, forearms, hamstring, all of this is just except his grip is the only thing that's really got to stay engaged for this staff to stay up. He could just completely hold this up and, and really not need all his strength. If my strength starts to fail, I've, I've helped him rest in such a way that if I do need to let go, then he's able to hold that up. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. We, I, want, I want us to think about this from the standpoint of, man, how do we really, in fellowship, how do, how do we really serve someone to a point that spiritually we've done good in their life? And I think this, this practical process of what they did was they said, okay, how can I position this brother that I have here, Moses, to a point that my help will really help him with rest, that, that I won't suffer the same consequences of just trying to use my own strength that Moses would. How do, how do I not wear my own self out, but how do I help him in a way that allows my help to continue and allows his not just rest but strength to then re-engage when I need the rest? And as you look at people that are in your life, whether it's your spouse or your friends, your kids, co-workers, other family members, just friends that you've got, the community that lives around you, we've got to make those kind of decisions practically in, in, in wisdom from the Lord. How do, how do we position them that we can be a faithful help, that, that we ourselves aren't trying to live in our own strength, it's not about me, it's not about you, as we serve them so that we really see the strength of the Lord really play out in their lives, ours, because right, faith community is, we're still all experiencing, we're still all part of the same thing. We all have our place in it. This is an amazing help here. I mean, and, and, and this is tough. When you look at the people that are in your life, sometimes we have, we have wrongly worn ourselves out as Christians knowing someone needed the strength of the Lord, but we're just still doing it in our own strength so much that we wear ourselves out and we really haven't helped them with the strength that they need. There's a lot of application to that. I wish I could, wish I could dive in. I wish you could see your faces right now. We're, we're going to have to talk about this in coming weeks. The result, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. They helped the brother that was in the middle of the fight that, that wasn't able to hold that staff up in, the, in that time. Verse 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. Now this, this is kind of an odd one because at the moment that he tells Moses, when God tells Moses to do this, there's really not a clear understanding of the significance of, of really even why he's doing this. Um, and, and this is what I mean by this. The Amalekites were not blotted out this day, the, the day that this battle happened. They were just defeated. They left that day 
still a force to be reckoned with, still with the mindset of, I am going to take from you to have what is mine. All that's still in place. They existed, they could go on and recover and thrive from there. In fact, a year after this event, the nation of Israel battles who again? Amalekites. And not just a year later, one of the first groups and one of the most significant groups when Joshua was, was in leadership, once he crossed the Jordan, that he faced were the Amalekites. And we could read this and go, hang on a second, God, you know, I thought you said they were going to be blotted out. They, they eventually were. See, here's, this, here, here's a great, I believe, application from, from just God's instruction to Moses here. I want you to think through this with me like this. If you knew the next battle that your kids were going to face, if you knew the next battle that your coworkers were going to face, your family, your spouse, your friends, if you knew the next battle that they were going to face, how would it change and impact how you really see significance in what's going on right at this moment? And how you see the Lord's strength play through. How would it change how we would dedicate ourselves to hold someone up? To lift God up? To, to seek His power and to live in His power more often? How, how would it affect the way we battle and we look up the hill and, and we seek out someone that will really spiritually lead when we are struggling physically? How would it change all that? And See, see therein is a unique challenge for us. We can never possibly know the full picture of what's ahead. Even in this instruction, Moses didn't realize it was going to be 365 days to the next bad news. He did not realize that it was going to be across the Jordan that, that Joshua was going to need to face them again. All he knew was this. God made a promise, and if he recorded that promise, if he wrote it down, if it became significant and it became record of life, and if he instilled that and poured that in to Joshua, that it would have an impact and it would change something. And I would really want to, I would really want to come to you with this truth. As, as we look at our lives, our first goal we talked about this year was really that, that, that living for the Lord, a close walk with him, could be our joy. And, and I, I believe that this is a critical practice of that. To, to just trust him in such a way that, that in not knowing every detail that is ahead, that I can trust. God, if you've made me a promise, it needs to be record and, and, and written into my life. And if I take that and I pour that into my soul, the souls of others that are around me, that it will have impact. And, and for, the, for the battle that doesn't just end today, that sneaks up a year from now and comes up longer after that, that that, that will be enough. Your promise will be enough to, to bring joy in my life so that as I walk with you, even in difficulty, Lord, that I, that I see victory. I see, I see those words that I want to characterize my life and lives of others that I love so much. And Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is My Banner. That's Yahweh Nisi. If you really enjoy just some of the specific names and, and identities that, that are in the Old Testament. This, this altar, this place of worship, the, the, this, this, this physical place where Moses and others would recognize there was an event that just signified the significance of God. The title of it was, was God is, is Over Me. His strength, that, that staff that was held up was, was the name that we fought for. It was the name that we fought under. It was the strength that we needed for our life. It was everything that was needed in that moment. It, it, was, it was over our heads. It says, he said, 
Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. Remember at the first of this, we talked about community, this this place that Moses had where he could look and, and see a bigger picture. What, what was the bigger picture that he saw? That, that this battle that they faced today was ultimately a battle that was not just against Amalek and Joshua, Amalek's men, Joshua's men. It was a battle where Amalek's heart was so turned from the Lord and as a leader, he led people towards that way and that was against who God was and what God was doing. And Moses just saw himself as a participant in that. Aaron and her were good brothers in faith, not because they just held Moses' arms up, but what they did was in agreement with who God was. Their purpose wasn't, how do we just lift Moses higher? In fact, if anything, you saw physically what they did, right? They actually lowered Moses. They actually put Moses at a lower level while they kept and ensured that the representation of seeking the Lord was held up. That's, that's healthy Christian community. Now, um, I told you we want to look at the two of our goals we looked at for this year. Learn, learn ourselves, learn Jesus. And I, I want to read a few notes that I've written down. Um, they won't be on the screen. I've just written these down as, as I've, I've, I've really meditated and prayed over this passage that I think is really helpful for us. Learning ourselves, I want to start with that, just learning ourselves. Um, When I am in the physical part of the battle, I need someone interceding spiritually. I need that. I mean, have you ever realized how easy it is to get lost in just, man, how you feel, the weight that you carry? And sometimes you feel like you can't get your head above the water enough to even catch a breath, to breathe regularly. Man, our need is, yes, the Lord, but, but functionally in our lives, so many times we can get connection to that through the people that he's already put around us as well. Because remember, we are living in the age of grace, the, the, the New Testament church. It is Jesus in us. So, so even in connecting to a brother or sister in Christ, there is a resource of God's presence even, in, even within that. God's strength is so much greater than mine, I have to be aware of my weaknesses. Sometimes I think when we hear the verse, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can do that. But, but as, as Jesus is working in and through us, what he can do in and through us is still greater than what our physical abilities are. Even in times where we have seen seasons in our life where we are spiritually on point, have we not also seen weaknesses, points where we tend to kind of lean a little bit back on our strength. And I think that's represented in a real physical way with, with Moses having his arms above his head, but it's, it's really so important for us to remember. And, and then finally this point for, for learning ourselves, I need others to fully operate in God's strength in support of what's going on in my life. You know, I, I said it last week, we, you know, good friends sound great, but sometimes in just good friendship, we don't have people that are so operating in agreement with the Lord 
that they'll do in our lives what needs to be done. If I'm Moses and I'm struggling, I realize when I feel the burn in my shoulders that there's evidence of failure and loss in front of me, I'm not just carrying the physical burden. I'm starting to carry the weight of responsibility, and it's going it, it's, it's to wear me out, and I'm going to be aware that, 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 that the half-life, but when I got tired last time, I put my arms up again, really seeking God, and, and, and then it just wasn't even, it was about half as long before I started feeling the wear out again. And, and so I went higher again, and then it was almost about half the time, and I started feeling that wear out again. I, got, I need people that are going to really seek the Lord and operate in agreement with him. Because when that, when that seat was offered, if I'm Moses, I'm going, guys, it's really not my legs and my back that's killing me right now. It's my shoulders. It's my arms. But, but they served in that area. They served in that area well. Um, learning Jesus. I want to mention this to you, and this is really just the main point. Um, because you, you may say, okay, well, this is Old Testament. We don't see Jesus um, I, I would argue with you that we do. Uh, we, we do see Jesus. And, and in this simple statement, where we see failure in our lives, in the lives of people, when we see failure in the lives of the Israelites, we can find fulfillment and success in Jesus. I want to do a quick review for you. Okay, you ready? If you go back over to chapter 15, verse 22 through 27, the people are wondering around in the wilderness. And they're not just wandering in the wilderness, they're wandering and complaining in the wilderness. That They go up and they find water to drink, but that water is bitter. The Lord provides, he showed Moses a tree, and he said, if you'll throw this tree across the water, um, the, the water will become drinkable. Now, does that mean that they couldn't drink the water? It talks about how the water was, just, was, was bitter, it was not good to the taste. And, and the temptation that came in their lives was, even though there's water in front of me, it's not the form that I like it, so bitterness grew. And I can point fingers a lot at that, at that people and at that chapter, but I can see evidence at times in my own life of that. So they failed the test in the wilderness. But guess what? Matthew chapter 4, Jesus doesn't fail the test in the wilderness. What he sees and what he struggles with is, is so much below what his power is there and, and who he is as God in the flesh but he passes the test. He does not sin. Bitterness does not grow in him. And because there was no sin in him, he could ultimately die on the cross for my sin and for yours. In chapter 16, we see that man is provided. And it's this provision from heaven. It's this provision from God. And, and, and what happens when, when there's this, and I'll call it this, this test of manna, this test of provision. Again, the people look out. There's, there's temporary enjoyment. But after that, there's a dissatisfaction. But what do we see in the book of John, in the, in, in, in the gospels that we see of Jesus? We see Jesus stepping in, and we see him saying, hey, listen, th there's, there's a bread that I'm getting filled up on that you don't know about. Jesus chose to find satisfaction and obedience in what he knew that he was there to do of the Father. And because he found satisfaction in that, he obeyed that, and, and, and the gospel is available to us, not just in the moment of salvation, but for all of our lives. It's the good news of Jesus. That Jesus passed that test that he didn't just... He didn't just survive on himself on the, this earth, that he is the bread of life, that, that every nourishment that we need for our souls, every circumstance of our life, every relationship, everything is found in Jesus. Chapter 17, um, water comes from a rock in the beginning of chapter 17. It's before the passage that we read. The people were complaining again. And, and, and Moses even tells them, he, he asked them, why are you testing the Lord? 
And they, and they grumbled and they were thirsty. And God told him to, to strike this rock and that, that water would come out. And, and, and what we see here that still struggled to satisfy people, people's hearts were just so self-absorbed that they just, they, they just kept wanting and wanting. What do we find in Jesus? 1 Corinthians, it refers to Jesus as the rock that was struck for our salvation. We see that everything that, that comes from him is satisfying. It is sufficient. It is the success that we need. It is the fulfillment. We, we can be satisfied in everything that Jesus offers us. In chapter 17, I believe we see a beautiful picture of community. I believe we see a beautiful picture of what God does in individual lives specifically as part of that grouping. And I see that as, as we live in that, it's not just us experiencing these headline type stories. It's that this is, is really meant to be the ordinary, the regular for us as we learn ourselves and learn Jesus. I hope this morning as we've looked in this passage, it's shown you something about yourself. I've known, I, I realize that this passage has shown me a lot about myself, but also in these couple of chapters, I think we can learn much about Jesus, even in the Old Testament. As, um, as this week started going, and, and, and I was looking ahead at what this series looks like, and really where I felt like God was leading us, um, it became, it became um, pretty, pretty obvious that this, this Sunday was going to be a little bit different for all of us. And I want to say thank you, because this Sunday, even though it's weather-driven, is pretty representative of, of our last couple years together. Your great commitment to worship when the atmosphere is not the same, for you to listen and dig into the Word when it's over a screen instead of here just in person, um, has really taught us a lot about ourselves and about the Lord and about who we can be together in Him. Um, this week, this, really this passage was something that I studied in preparation for the last two weeks, especially last week. as It was one of the passages that I really studied through for, for, to really make sure that we were matching what, what we looked at versus the, the whole experience that God gives us in His Word. And as this week started playing out and approaching, I really felt God, like God was just speaking and saying, listen, th this, this thing of setting goals and this thing of identifying where we're going together, there's a great connection between week one and week two that I believe that God's grace is allowing us to walk through together this week as we just did. So I want to ask you, as, as he really put this passage back on my heart to bring this morning, Maybe, maybe this is the message that would be most worth re-listening to one more time. Maybe more so than the first two in this series. Maybe just this passage is going to be the passage that's worth reading and reading and reading and meditating on this week for God to speak to you practically and really apply to your life. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness, your grace. Lord, help us as we seek you. Lord, to just faithfully um, be aware of what we can learn of ourselves and what we can learn of Jesus. So God, as we walk in Christ and we live and exist in Christ, that we can also learn the significance of living in and existing in faithful, spirit-led, 
God-seeking, Jesus-faithful community. Lord, I pray that our hearts have been so open and will remain open that this truth will change us, transform us into the image of Jesus in a way that we haven't been before. Lord, as we continue now, God, I pray that this time will be a time of prayer and reflection and meditation and even worship. As Lord, once more in song, we seek to give glory and attention and affection to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.